You're listening to The Catholic Foodie, Episode 4. Welcome to The Catholic Foodie. This is Jeff Young, The Catholic Foodie. And I'm so glad you're listening. I'm going to change the format a bit today in this show. Uh, We are going to have a kind of a shortened section on faith, and it's uh, going to be about grace before meals. Not just the blessing that we pray before we eat, but also the website, the TV show, the blog that uh, Father Leo Patalunghug, I believe that's how you say his last name, uh, that he has. Father Leo has this um, uh, this ministry, Grace Before Meals, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, also, I'm very, very happy to be joined today by my, my lovely wife. Uh, she'll, she's going to join us for a section uh, of the show, and we're going to talk about a few recipes and also take a look at the Christmas menu uh, that we're going to celebrate in just a couple of days. Uh, I also have a beer to review with you and uh, some feedback. And I also just discovered a very, very cool application for my Mac. And it has to do about uh, has to do with food, and I'd like to share that with you. So all of this and much, much more is on the menu here at the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. Those, uh, goodies in there. Granny, Granny Puckett, the goody lady? My goodness, she makes some good goodies. She's got a thing. It's like a, uh, it's like a, uh, cookies, shortbread chocolate icing between very... It's good. Uh, it's very good. I don't know if you could hear my wife in the background, but she was, uh, Talking on the phone, walking in the hall right outside of, uh, of my uh, bedroom here is where I'm recording. And this is going to be a very, I guess you'd say, informal uh, recording. My children are next door playing, and they're going to be coming home any minute now. And I'm sure you'll hear that, hear that front door open up and slam shut. They seem to be able to close a door in only one way, and that's uh, by slamming it. So... Uh, Please uh, acknowledge or, or be aware of the fact that uh, we may have a few interruptions in this recording, but uh, thank you for your patience. Uh, the first thing I'd like to talk to you about is this, uh, this ministry, Grace Before Meals. I just discovered this ministry uh, not too long ago, maybe a week or so ago, and uh, I'm really, really, really impressed with what's going on here. Uh, I heard Father Roderick mention it on one of his podcasts on the Daily Breakfast about a week or so ago, and I uh, went over to the website to check it out, and I'm, I, I, I wonder where I've been. I I've never knew about this, so I'm very happy to have discovered it. And it, you can find it at gracebeforemeals.com. And uh, Father Leo, apparently he has a, uh, a TV show. They're actually working on recording this, and I believe it's uh, going to be aired by uh, PBS. Uh, TV show, it's a cooking show, but the whole thing is focused on meals shared together in the family. And matter of fact, from the website, uh, gracebeforemeals.com, we, uh, we, we read this. Feeling overworked or overscheduled or overly tired? Take some time out and enjoy a meal with friends or family members. This simple act can help you recharge and reconnect with the people who matter the most to you. 
And here are a few ways you can incorporate the grace before meals philosophy into your daily life. You can eat meals with uh, your family five days per week or as many times as possible. Engage the family in conversation while preparing meals. You can say grace before each meal. Turn off the TV while eating dinner and introduce interesting topics for the family to discuss at meal times. And also, you may want to tell friends and family about the Grace Before Meals movement. And one of the reasons I'm so excited about this, I know I have spoken about it in uh, previous episodes, uh, I'm excited because this the faith adds such a dimension to uh, meals and, and to food. And it's, it's amazing how when you bring faith to the table, you really transform something that's a very ordinary activity, something that's just a, a very everyday activity, into something extraordinary and something that can communicate to us God's goodness and God's grace. So I'm very happy to have found Grace Before Meals. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, you might want to check it out. There's some uh, helpful hints here. He also uh, has a cookbook, Recipes for Family Life. Uh, he tells you about the TV show that's coming up, upcoming events, and also offers some suggestions for um, dialogue before dinner or during dinner. So please check that out, gracebeforemeals.com. When you come to my house and I cook for you. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, that might be a problem. What's the problem? I'm the best cook in the family, tell you. Oh, I did, didn't I? Twice. Okay, then. <laughs> um, it's just, uh, yeah... Ian is a vegetarian. He doesn't eat meat. He don't eat no meat? No, he doesn't eat meat. What do you mean he don't eat no meat? Oh, that's okay. That's okay. I make lamb. I have to laugh at that uh, that quote from the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, because uh, we saw that movie and laughed so hard even though it's about a Greek family, uh, we can totally relate because Char's family is from uh, Lebanon. And actually, there's only, what, one generation, two generations here in, in America? It's two generations, yeah. right? Your dad and then you? Because your, your grandparents okay. came straight from, from, uh, from Lebanon? As children. Right, as children. Um, so anyway, it's, it's the food and the culture is still very strong, Lebanese uh, culture and Char's family. And even though uh, Greeks and Lebanese are not the same, the culture is very similar, the food is very similar, and that movie was hysterical. He don't eat no meat. So now we're going to talk just for a few minutes about our Christmas menus, which is going to involve a lot of meat. So, uh, Char, would you like to say hello to everybody? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, this reminds me of our video, the video we took when we were on our honeymoon, because we'd go out, we were we honeymooned for two weeks in Venezuela, and we'd, uh, <laughs> we'd go out to eat, and we'd come home, and we'd video each other talking about the, the, the meals we ate. And so when we came home and we were watching it, it was um, we realized it was all about food. It was all food commentary. So, and that's been ten years, but um, <laughs> so this is kind of uh, 
a reminiscent, reminiscent of, of that honeymoon. But um, yeah, we'll be at my brother's house in Baton Rouge for Christmas Eve, and I have to say that um, Norman is the consummate foodie, if ever there was one, and he has a unbelievable over the top menu laid out for us. Um, and we're really looking forward to it. He does everything from scratch. So he is um, going to start with some homemade bellinis. And he has some caviar. And um, I'm my, my, my meager um, contribution to the meal is some antipasta. So, you know, we have some olives and cheeses and... Um, actually he made a uh, homemade pate and, um, you know, what else? Salami. Did I Some salami and, and, and those sorts of, um, antipasti. And, um, when we sit down to eat a couple hours later, I'm sure we are going to enjoy some lobster bisque, which is again, uh, very reminiscent of our honeymoon in Venezuela. We enjoyed that several times then and we just love it um he's making oysters rockefeller and duck l'orange and then my mother will be uh contributing her lebanese touch with rack of lamb and a pot of grape leaves which we all look forward to um she has her her own grapevine in the backyard and um, my dad gets out there and picks the leaves, and she will, you know, roll them with lamb and um, line the pot with lamb. Anyway, that's more details maybe at another time, but yeah. it's delicious and um, oh, so so aromatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and my sister-in-law is our is our family member with the sweet sweet tooth, and she's making a pecan pie and some sort of sweet cream caramel yummy dessert, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, And, of course, we'll be drinking some really nice wine. It's going to be good. It'll be good. Looking forward to it. (laughs) Anyway, that's just Christmas Eve, which is, uh, I mean, that's going to be a lot. it's, uh, It's always good when we get together. Uh, with with Charles' family because they like to eat really well and and they like to drink good wine and it's it's nice to be a part of all that. So uh, Christmas Day, my parents are coming uh, here from Baton Rouge and they're bringing a turducken, which I don't know if if y'all uh, know what that is. Those of you who don't, it's a turkey stuffed with a duck, stuffed with a chicken, stuffed with sausage. That's a lot of meat. Deboned. It's, it's everything's de-boned. deboned. Right. Everything's deboned and it's all in there together. Is, is that a regional thing? I don't know. I don't know. I don't it know might either. be. I had mentioned it actually on uh on Plurk. I had plurked about that uh, a day or two ago and one of the uh one of my Plurk buddies uh in in a different state, I think it was kinda up north a little bit, I can't remember if it's around uh Illinois or somewhere, uh had mentioned that, that they really like turducken. So I don't know. I don't know if it's just down here or if it's further up as well. So that'll be on the menu. And what else are we going to do on Christmas Day? 
think uh, we are going to have um, some French green beans and um, creamed spinach, and a, I'm gonna make a carrot souffle for the first time. And we'll um, actually start with a, um, an arugula salad with grilled peppers and uh, a blue cheese and toasted pecans. Mm-hmm. So, oh, and the rice. Wild pecan rice? R- Emerald's recipe of uh, wild pecan rice dressing, which is just fantastic. Uh, Conrico puts out the wild pecan rice. And uh, anyway, we yeah, it has bacon and um, ham and mm-hmm. uh, Granny Smith apples and pecans in it. It's really good. It's awesome. And I think maybe I can Google that. They may have the recipe online, and I can put a link in the show notes uh, for those of you who'd be interested. And we're also we're going to have like a little aperitif as well. We, it's a traditional thing that we use, and we actually, we, I, I, please don't think that the only cookbooks that we ever look at are Emerald uh, Lagasse's cookbooks. They're not, but uh, it seems that we do use quite a bit of his recipes. <laughs> so this, uh, the aperitif on that day, the I guess before dinner drink, is going to be a poinsettia cocktail. And I don't know if anybody out there pronounces it poinsettia, but uh, we say poinsettia, uh, poinsettia cocktail, and I'm going to give you the recipe for that. I think I'm going to give that recipe to you right now. Just got to reach it over here and find it. We discovered this, what, two, three years ago, mm-hmm. maybe? It was probably over three years ago. Um, I don't know where, where it went. It's in the back, I think. Oh, is it? Ah, here it is. Bookmarked. All right, the poin, uh, poinsettia cocktail it has, um, and this makes uh, one one cocktail. It's a uh, quarter cup of vodka, a quarter cup of champagne, half a cup of cranberry juice with crushed ice, and two strips of orange zest, each about a quarter inch wide and two inches long. And what you do is you combine the vodka, the champagne, and the juice in a large stemmed red wine glass. You add the crushed ice, and then you stir until the, uh, the mixture is chill, chilled because of the, the ice. And then you twist the orange strips over the glass just to get the, uh, the zest of the orange. And you drop those in and serve. Now, what, uh, what, am I missing something? Oh, no, I was just saying it looks so pretty in the glass. That's the... Oh, right. It looks so pretty in the glass. But we, I don't think we've been using the orange zest, yeah, do we? Oh, we yeah. do? Oh, I forgot that part. Yeah, so it's really pretty. We served that with some friends who came over uh, for Christmas like four years ago, three years ago. We're at the old house. It was a while back. Remember we had made like a bunch of it? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, really good. And we're going to start off the meal with uh, poinsettia cocktails. And what else? Oh. What else do we need to talk about? What else? I don't know. We're yeah. going to have a little salmon, smoked salmon out okay. and, um, at the Holiday Brie. I forgot about that. That's a nice little, um, you use a brie wheel and um, you wrap it in the puff pastry, just like the frozen puff pastry. And you put um, the raspberry, like seedless raspberry jam 
and fresh uh, little dried cranberries that have been soaked and um, sliced toasted almonds and you bake it and then let it sit at room temp yeah, so we'll yummy. have that out while we're while we're cooking everything else after mass very very yummy and uh, there was one other thing I wanted to to say and I think I've I just lost it forgot what it was oh how can I forget we do have although uh, Christmas Eve is not going to be a Lebanese uh, uh, themed uh, dinner we do have a couple of uh, elements that are Lebanese in that dinner, the grape leaves and the rack of lamb. And so in the interest of trying to spread a little Lebanese culture here at Christmas time, Char is going to share with us her recipe for hummus. And hummus, for those of you who don't know it, it's a a bean dip, a garbanzo bean dip that is uh, Middle Eastern in origin. And the way that uh, Char does it is just... uh, Phenomenal, it's delicious, and so I'm going to let her share that with you uh, right now. Okay, Um, you take two cans, uh, yeah, two cans of chickpeas and rinse them and drain them well. And this is all thrown into a food processor. Um, And typically we we do a a two two cans of, of garbanzo beans or chickpeas. Um, get three nice sized garlic cloves at least. Um, <laughs> you know, we like it garlicky, but that's probably a good place to start. And then, uh, one of the main ingredients is tahini, which is um, ground sesame seeds, and you can find that I would say in, in, in most grocery stores that have an international section. There's a lot of different types of tahini, but um. You can just kind of look around and see what's available. And as far as an amount on that, I don't, I don't really know. Um, quarter kind cup, of a taste, huh? quarter cup, maybe, um, maybe a little more, maybe more like a third. And then um, about a, a quarter cup of fresh lemon juice. Um, you know, I guess it just depends on how juicy your lemon is. You know, so about a quarter cup. And olive oil. Again, I'm not really good at measurements. <laughs> it's obnoxious, I know, but um, this is what my mom always did to me when I was trying to learn, you know, when I moved away from home and I'd call her and say, could I have the recipe? And she'd say, oh, a little of this, a little of that. Well, I'm sorry that's how I'm giving this recipe out, and that's t- typically now how I do it, too. <laughs> um, we've become our parents, huh? So what did I, I was on the lemon juice. We did, oh, the olive, olive oil. oil. Goodness. Uh, Until it's good. Look, look, look. Good, good. Look, look, look. <laughs> you know, a couple of yeah. look, look, looks. Um, and then and you do add water, just um, about a half a cup maybe. You want to get it to a good consistency. Um, then you add some salt, cup, you know, to taste and cayenne pepper. And, you know, you can mix that in the, um, in the process that until it's really smooth, well blended, and then you can kind of adjust to your own taste. Um, you want it to be, you don't want it to be so thick that it's dry, but you don't want it like running off the plate. It needs to hold its consistency well. You think it's almost kind of fluffy? Would that be the term? Yeah, yeah. And, and so many people do it different ways, but um, that's a, the gist of the recipe, okay? And then, you know, we serve it in a very shallow dish or plate, 
and um, you know, to, and then we drizzle olive oil on top and um, put chop put some chopped parsley on top. Um, I know in Middle Eastern restaurants they do add different different um, seasonings on top. That's typically not the way we do it um, at home, though. But um, we just garnish with the the parsley, uh, chopped parsley and olive oil, and then we um, eat it with with fresh pita bread, which you know we to- we cut it into wedges and toast it and. We eat this all the time. Uh, this isn't really like a special, a special occasion thing. Right, thing. We right. could do it just during the week. And um, I kind of, just to cut down on the bread too, I often will just have it with um, fresh vegetables. Again, that's not really um, something I learned at home, but just trying to be a little healthier with the kids. We'll use um, cucumbers or red peppers mm-hmm. and other vegetables. So it's really healthy delicious try it wonderful so that's just a little recipe from us to you a uh, little something uh, Lebanese just to share and and uh, an episode uh, in the near future we will focus more on Lebanese uh, cuisine and uh, share some more recipes and also just some stories about uh, Lebanese culture so I think unless you have anything else to say I think we're ready to move on to the next uh, segment so here we go. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Pedro, how do you feel about that one? It looks pretty sweet. It looks awesome. It's it's, it's incredible. Do the chickens have large talons? Do they have what? Large talons. I don't understand a word you just said. Besides, we both know I'm training to become a cage fighter. Since when, Kip? You have the worst reflexes of all time. Try and hit me, Napoleon. What? I said come down here and see what happens if you try and hit me. Try and hit me, uh, Napoleon. Uh, That would be good. I'm actually looking to get hit. I'd like to get hit with some feedback. And uh, since the last thing we talked about uh, was that recipe for hummus in the last segment, uh, which involves a food processor, uh, you have to think back to when, you know, before we had food processors, how in the world would they mix everything up to make hummus? What do you think they used? I think they probably used a mortar and pestle. And guess what? We have a mortar and pestle right here that could be yours for a little bit of feedback. That's right. And last in the last episode, episode three, I uh, introduced a contest. It's the first contest ever for the Catholic Foodie. And the prize for that contest is a mortar and pestle. It's wooden. It was handmade, or it is handmade, from uh, Syria and was uh, imported here. Um. Anyway, it's really nice, and I would love for you to win this. So what's happening here? What I'm looking for is for feedback. Uh, if you are able to send me voice feedback, that would be fantastic. Um, I've already had a few people who sent voice feedback in. Mike uh, in New Jersey, he sent feedback to me a couple of weeks ago. I think I played it in the last episode. And uh, I've had a number of people who have sent feedback via email. 
And what I'm going to do is for every piece of voice feedback I get, your name will go into a hat twice. You get two chances there for voice feedback. Put your name in the hat twice to win the prize. And if you send an email feedback, uh, you get your, your name goes in the hat once. So that is uh, how, how the contest will run. And the, uh, the due date is actually at the end of this week. Today is a Monday. We have till Friday, the 26th, uh, the day after Christmas, will be uh, the deadline. And I will draw. And on the next uh, episode, uh, I will announce the, uh, the winner. And actually, the, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know if I'm going to record on December 26th. So what we may do is uh, just try to get it in by the 26th. If, it, if, it, if it's the 27th or 28th, why don't you go ahead and send it in anyway? Uh, because I may not, I may not record until until then. Now that the 26th, with all the you know the post Christmas uh, rest, you know the exhaustion, uh, I may not actually record on Friday. So. If you could uh, send feedback, that would be wonderful, and you'll get a chance to win the uh, mortar and pestle. So how can you send feedback to me? Well, if you're going to send it via email, you can uh, send it to catholicfoodie at gmail.com. And if you uh, have the capability on your computer to record a uh, an MP3 or a WAV file, you can do that and uh, just email it to catholicfoodie at gmail.com. And I am so happy to announce that we do have now a voice feedback line. So you can call area code 985-635-4974. That's 985-635-4974. You can call that number and leave me voice feedback there. And I will be so happy to play that on the show. Uh, so that's enough about the, the feedback and the, um, uh, the contest. I would like to make one note before we move on to some of the feedback that I'd, I have gotten this past week. Uh, just a note that the segment with my wife, we recorded that on my iPod. I have a microphone that attaches to the iPod, and you can record. I think it records WAV files, and then I transfer that to iTunes. And then from there, I can use it in the, um, in the recording software that I'm using right now. Uh, the only the only downside, uh, well, the two two downsides. First of all, the input level, the volume level, is uh, very difficult to adjust. So I had it set to where it should have played a little bit louder than than it did. It, for some reason, I just couldn't get it any louder. So I apologize for that. And also, you may have noticed a whir that uh, that kept recurring every uh, few seconds, maybe uh, ten seconds or so, and that's actually the hard drive on the iPod. Uh, it whirs, and for some reason, the the microphone picks that up, and it's just part of the recording. That's, um, I mean, it may not be too much of a a, a big deal for you, but it does irritate me. <laughs> so I'm actually working at some point in the next uh, few months. I would hope I'd be able to get a recorder that I could take with me around town. So when I go to do interviews uh, in different restaurants or to review different restaurants, I'd be able to take that recorder with me. And um, and and do the recordings there, but those you know it's a digital recorder. It's not uh, it's not cheap, so that's something that I have to uh, to save up for. So hopefully in the next couple of months I can I can acquire one.
Well, I have received some uh, feedback, and before I uh, go through that feedback, I would like to uh, thank a few people. Uh, The first person I'd like to thank is uh, Sean, the duct tape guy. Uh, If you listened to episode three, uh, you would have heard in the intro to that episode, uh, Sean introducing the show. So that was very, very nice of Sean. I really appreciate it. Um, The one on this episode today was actually my wife. Uh, I was trying to break the ice with her to get her to uh, do some recording with me on on the show. And so I started out really small, really easy with the uh, the intro to the show. And she did a great job, too. So uh, thank thank you very much to her. And then also I want to thank Mac and Catherine from uh, Catholic in a Small Town podcast. Their episode, not yesterday, but a week ago, uh, which was Catholic in a Small Town episode 110, they did run the promo for the Catholic Foodies. So, Mac and Catherine, thank you. Uh, we do have some feedback. Uh, I got two recipes. I had sent out a call for recipes, both on Plurk and also on the blog, and I received two recipes from that call, that call-out, that shout-out, uh, request for rep- recipes. And one was from Mike uh, Lindner uh, from New Jersey. And it was for something called uh, Dutch Babies. And that was the first time I'd heard of that, Dutch Babies. And let me tell you about that right now. I'm trying to pull it up. I have it here uh, on online. And I am trying to pull that up. Where did it go? Okay, Dutch Babies. This is something that uh, Mike said he made uh, in the morning. And he says it serves about two adults or one (laughs) 11-year-old. And, I, and I've got a nine-year-old, and I know how they eat. And I, I remember back to when I was a kid, goodness gracious, I out-ate my parents for years. And uh, so I can, I can only imagine uh, the dent that an 11-year-old could put into this recipe. Uh, okay, Dutch babies. Uh, you have two tablespoons of butter, a half a cup of flour, a tablespoon of sugar, a pinch of salt, half a cup of milk, and three eggs. And what you do is you put the butter in a 10-inch cast-iron skillet, and put it into a 425-degree oven. And while the butter is melting, you mix the flour and the sugar, the salt, the milk, and you beat the eggs. And then when the butter is melted, which maybe is three to five minutes, you take it out of the pan, swirl it around, and coat the pan. Or, I'm sorry, you take the pan out of the oven, uh, swirl it around, coat the pan, and then pour in the batter. Then you bake it for 14 minutes until it's puffy and golden brown. Then you remove from the pan and you eat it immediately, and it's going to smell so good, you're going to want to eat it immediately. Uh, And you can use powdered sugar or fruit preserves on top. So I have never made that before. This is a recipe that Mike just sent in, but it sounds wonderful. And and Mike, I tell you, I'm going to do that very soon. Inga Lutz uh, from Holland sent in a recipe as well. And her recipe is for kale hash. And uh, this is the, these are the ingredients. Uh, she says it's 2.2 pounds of kale, uh, like a full stub, or 1.1 pounds, uh, pound bag of minced kale. And she says she prefers the original stubs because the bags have hard parts in them. So uh, you should remove all the hard parts, like the stem and the stubs and the veins, and the leaves should be minced. Uh, then she uses, let's see, one and 1.1 pounds of peeled potatoes. You know, the ones that fall apart after cooking are best suited. And about a cup of bacon. I love bacon. And, and, and one smoked sausage. About four te- uh, tablespoons of butter. Uh, and you can use cream if you prefer. 
uh, she uses coffee cream. You use ground pepper, ground black pepper, salt, and gravy. And this is what you do. After cutting the kale and peeling the potatoes, you cook the kale first, depending on the cooking time of the potatoes. Uh, could be about 25 minutes. Uh, the kale needs to cook about 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, because she uses pre-cut kale, uh, she decides to cook about 30 minutes and then add some salt. So cook potatoes and add some salt. Uh, because potatoes fall apart, after cooking, I put a strainer made of stainless steel in the bottom of the pot to avoid getting messy. About That's a good idea. That's a really good idea. And after about 15 minutes, you put the smoked sausage on top of the kale uh, to heat it. You also want to heat a bit of butter in a pan and bake the bacon slowly. Uh, the fat should melt so that uh, it doesn't turn. Uh, you don't need to turn the heat up too much. Uh, and incidentally, this isn't part of the recipe, but I just, and I guess butter would help in this respect, but I came across a tip the other day that when you are uh, cooking bacon, you add a little salt to the to the pan, and it helps to prevent all the splatters. Why that works, I have no idea, but apparently it does. Uh, when the potatoes are done, you mash them and add warm milk. Uh, you can heat it in a microwave. It doesn't have to be hot, just warm. And you also add some butter or cream. And you mix well until you get a fine, consistent mixture Mixture uh, that shouldn't be runny or too dry. It should be smooth. And you use a uh, potato masher. You could use one of those uh, to mash up those potatoes. Uh, I think in the absence of a potato masher, I'd probably have to use a fork. I don't, I don't have a potato masher in my house. Uh, used to. Don't know where it is, though. Uh, you stir the drained kale, which should be finished uh, after about 20 or 30 minutes into the mixture, and you take the sausage out first and keep that part on a small plate. Uh, and you also make sure that the moisture is pressed out of the kale. Uh, the liquid in which it is cooked makes it taste somewhat bitter, so you want to try to get all of that out. And if you press it and press all the moisture out of the kale, uh, you make it less bitter. So that's a good, good idea. Uh, you add pepper and salt to taste. You serve with uh, fried bacon, sausage, and gravy, and you're done. And she says uh, that, that uh, uh, it's very cheap and it's a perfect winter dish for the Dutchman and the college student, she says. So that sounds wonderful. And I'm going I'm to put a link in the show notes because she has a couple of pictures on her blog of the kale before and uh, I guess after the kale had, had cooked, but before adding the bacon, the sausage, and the gravy. And it looks delicious. So thank you so much, Inga, for sending that in. And I will put a blog to, I mean, a link to the blog in the show notes. Oh, you got to taste this. This is, oh, it's got this kind of mm, burning, melty. It's not really a smoky taste. It, it, it's a certain, oh, it, it's kind of like a, you know, it's got like this boom, zap kind of taste. Don't you think? What, what would you call that flavor? Lightning? It's lightning-y! Oh, we gotta do that again! Okay, when the next storm comes, we'll go up on the roof. I know what this needs! Saffron! A little saffron would make this! Saffron. Why do I get the feeling it's, it's in, in the, the kitchen. kitchen? Well, in the kitchen today, I am going to uh, taste a beer. I uh, don't know if you remember back in episode three, but uh, Mike in New York, uh, I'm sorry, New Jersey, had sent in some feedback about a uh, porter. Uh, that he uh, that he tasted and or tasted rather, and he sent some uh, some feedback in about this this particular uh, porter, 
And uh, although my local grocery did not carry it, uh, they did have something else. It's a porter. I thought I would uh, give it a try here on the show. This is uh, Anchor Porter. It is made by uh, the Anchor Brewing Company. They make uh, Anchor Steam um, beer. And uh, this is the first time that I am going to uh, do any kind of tasting on uh, the show. <laughs> so this is it's kind of tricky. I'm, I'm a little nervous because I've got all these electronics around. I've got my laptop and the microphone and hard drives and a mixer and all this stuff right here on this little desk. And, and I'm going to do something kind of crazy. I'm going to actually pop a cap off of a beer and, uh, and pour it into a glass. It just makes me very nervous. I remember reading a, uh, a plurk, uh, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago now. It may have been longer than that. From uh, Louisa, uh, the accidental archaeologist, when she said she spilled coffee on her laptop, just hearing about her little accident right there almost gave me uh, heart failure. So <laughs> this is uh, a little crazy for me. But uh, Anchor Porter, if, um, if you remember what, what uh, Mike had to say about Porter, he gave you a little uh, explanation of Porter. And if you don't remember that, you may want to go back and listen to episode three because he did a fantastic job. Um, porter is a it's a darker it's a dark beer, but it's not as heavy as like a stout. Uh, matter of fact, it's uh, porter is a very drinkable beer, meaning that you can you can have more than one at a at a sitting. You know, if you're drinking, if you're sitting around with your friends drinking, uh, God forbid, drinking uh, Budweiser or Miller Lite or something like that, you know, you could drink you know a few of those without really filling up. Uh, you couldn't do that with a stout. An imperial stout is just so heavy uh, that that it will fill you up. A porter is a dark beer, but it is not as heavy as a stout. So if you wanted to drink two, three of these, you could. Uh, the bottle that I have right now, I'm looking to see. This is uh, it's one pint, uh, point six, or no, one pint six fluid ounces. So. Um, I'm going to pop this right now, and we're going to taste it and see uh, what what we have. Oh, goodness. My daughter just let the dog into the room. Hold on one second. I had to pause the recording there for a second. Uh, she, My youngest daughter is six years old, and she, she just let uh, the puppy into my room, which is not allowed. The puppy tends to uh, like to mark her spot, I guess you'd say, uh, around the house. And I just don't want to deal with that in my, in my bedroom. So here we go, popping the top. Don't know if you could hear that. I didn't want to put it right up next to the microphone. But uh, here it goes, pouring into the... Got my kids in the background. Pouring the beer in. It's very chocolatey in color, very chocolatey in color, but it's got a kind of a sweet smell to it, a nice, nice foam head on that. Uh, matter of fact, it's like a, uh, I'd say about an inch and a half head on this, on this beer, and it's a, a chocolatey color. It's a kind of a light chocolatey color head and a very dark chocolate uh, uh, body, and I... I Looked up this beer actually on beeravocate.com. 
And they, they give two different ratings for beers on that site. They give you the rating, I guess you'd say like the official rating of the people who founded the site, which they call, it's called the bros or the brothers, right? The Alstrom um, uh, brothers or Alstrom brothers. Uh, and they rated this beer an A, which is outstanding. That's, that is uh, amazing that they rated the beer so, so well. And then the overall, like all these different people who have tasted the beer and want to rate the beer, they can come on and do that as well. And the overall rating is an A minus, which is still a very, very good, uh, a good score here. And that's with 813 reviews. So I'm looking forward to, to trying this beer. It seems like it would be a very, um, it's gonna be a very good one. Let me, uh, let me see. Here we go. First sip. It's um, it's good. It's got I can taste like a chocolatey taste to it, and a uh, it's got like a little sweetness to it. Almost like uh, once again, this is just my palate, but like a almost like a raspberry, faint raspberry type taste to it. Um, not strong as far as like hoppy goes. Not that strong. Uh, it's really nice. Anchor Porter. Very good. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it tastes once it warms up a bit. The beers oftentimes can, uh, yeah, the, the, the more flavors, different flavors kind of come out as a beer warms up and it gets closer to uh, room temperature. So when you're drinking a beer like this, it, it's uh, it's always good to uh, keep the bottle out if it's a big enough bottle. Keep the bottle out as you pour it into the glass. Uh, keep the bottle there so it'll warm up a little bit because uh, it gives you a very different experience with the beer as you as you go through the bottle. Anyway, very good. This is what uh, the Aylstrom Brothers, their official um, uh, review of the beer as far as the taste goes, they said it's a silky smooth experience on the palate that rides out without or with a prickly carbonation feel. It's medium, bo- uh, medium bodied, complex yet subtle, malt flavors, and I could tell, yes, I do taste the malt here, uh, consist of an even dextrin sweetness, yes, I, I picked up on that, a date or a fig, ripe fruitiness, molasses bite, a hint of unsweetened or dry chocolate, that's right on, um, burnt edges, and an astringent roasted malt flavor, that peaks with a near puckering bitter citric edge. It's lip-smacking, they say. Hops also lend a gentle herbal spice to the flavor. Excuse me. Uh, Finish is dry with uh, <laughs> residual burnt malt flavors. So this is it's really good. And I say it's, uh, this, this review is spot on. The chocolate, the fruitiness, which I, I, I described as like a raspberry taste, I think... Date, it, it does kind of take, it uh, tastes kind of uh, like dates. Uh, the malt flavors are there, and uh, it, it's, 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 um, it's just really good. Uh, you may want to pick one of these up and, uh, and give it a try yourself. Uh, the Aylstrom brothers said that, hands down, it's one of the best porters in the United States. Uh, this one brother said, um, I'd even go so far as saying one of the best in the world. This is what a modern-day porter should be. 
if you've yet to try this beer, go buy some right now. <laughs> so very good. I would highly recommend it. I like this. Uh, Anchor Porter. anticipated sharing with you a, uh, a an application that I just discovered for my Mac that deals with food. It's called Sous Chef. I had intended on sharing that with you this episode, but uh, we're running a little bit longer than I had anticipated, so I think I'm going to save that for the next episode. So in episode five, I will talk about uh, Sous Chef, which is uh, I'm really excited about. It's a brand new uh, application I just discovered, uh, what, two days ago, three days ago? Um, I'm very excited about it, so I'd love to tell you all about that, but we'll have to wait till the next episode. So as I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, we are in the fourth week of Advent, and we are still uh, celebrating uh, the O Antiphons, using the O Antiphons rather to celebrate the the uh, heightened sense of anticipation, of expectation, of longing for the coming of the Savior. And I'd like to read to you right now the O Antiphon for today, uh, Monday of the fourth week of Advent, uh, December 22nd. It says, O King of all the nations, the only joy of every human heart, O keystone of the mighty ark of man, come and save the creature you fashioned from the dust. So that is the Antiphon for the Canticle of Mary and Evening Prayer, the O Antiphon for today. And I'd like to uh, end this episode with the prayer of the day from the Liturgy of the Hours. And uh, if, you, if you mind, just uh, praying with me. We'll start right here. Uh, God, our Father, you sent your Son to free mankind from the power of death. May we who celebrate the coming of Christ as a man share more fully in his divine life. For he lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit one God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'm so glad that you were here. Just remember, you can find me at catholicfoodie.com, Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. And please call and leave feedback on the new uh, feedback line. That's area code 985 635 Four nine seven four. I believe that's correct uh, number. It's so new. I just got it today. Let me double check just to make sure I gave you the right one. Yes, it's nine eight five six three five four nine seven four. Give me a call. Let me know what you think about the show. Uh, share a recipe with me. Uh, give me suggestions, ideas that you have for future episodes. Whatever you would like to uh, to leave. So until next time, bon appetit.